Well, open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 12. I want to share with you something. I don't normally share about this kind of stuff, but I felt God spoke to me about it, so I'm going to share it to you. And uh, haven't you been reading about the earthquake recently, eh? Man, isn't that something? That has been something. And uh, so I just want to share just some things just related to that. Let's have a look in Hebrews chapter 12. Have a look what the Bible says about shakings. So Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, <clears throat> verse... 25, see you don't refuse him who speaks. In other words, don't be resistant to God. So those who did not escape, he refused him when he spoke on earth. How much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? So it's talking, it's looking back into the Old Testament there uh, when the, uh, God was speaking to his people, manifesting his glory, speaking to his people, and they rejected it. And the consequences were they were unable to receive all that God had for them. So the warning there is that to make sure that we don't be like them and just hear God but don't respond to him. And so now it goes to said, his voice shook the earth, but he's now promised saying, I will not only shake the earth, but also heaven. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what that means, but I do know when he shakes the earth, people get scared. They really do. When he shakes the heavens, it means spiritual powers are displaced. God's people arise and begin to start to possess their inheritance. So one of the most positive things about this is when God shakes something up, there's a real reason for it. Now, here's the reason. This is the wonderful thing. Look at this. He said, signifying the removal of things that can be shaken, like things that were made, so that the things which can't be shaken may remain. Now, isn't that something? So when God shakes, it's never a destructive shaking, although it may look like it. It's actually to sift out the things that have got no substance or no eternal value fall away and are seen for what they are. And the things which have eternal value remain and are visibly seen, that's what they are. Isn't that amazing, eh? And uh, so then he says, so we, here's the response, so we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. How about that? The thing that can't be shaken is the kingdom of God. Now, it looks invisible, it is invisible, but it manifests in our life. So we tend to think like this. We think the ground we stand on is solid and firm. The world we live in is solid and firm. However, the Bible says it can all be shaken, but the things which are unseen from God's realm can't be shaken. So when we build our life around God and his principles and his word, we build on something that can't be shaken, something that's eternal. When we build with the value system of the world, we build on something that not only can be shaken, when it is shaken, exposes itself and is seen for what it is. And so it says, therefore, here's the response. Reach out and begin to receive and access what God has to give you. Build your life on kingdom values and yielding to the flow of the Spirit of God. He's not, and receiving grace. Being connected to God so we're empowered to live a life that pleases God. So his outcome is he's saying you don't have to worry if things shake. You don't have to worry if things turn over. You don't have to worry if they're shaking in the financial market, shaking in the earth, shaking in the cities and the nations or in war, whatever. He said you don't have to be afraid of all of those things if your life is centered and built on something eternal. And so our life needs to have that kind of value system. So I was thinking about the earthquake this, uh, and, and, and watching it and, and uh, picked up a few photographs and pictures and things. And, and of course, one of the things is that uh, there, this pow- there was a very powerful earthquake, this one, 7.1. Very, very powerful. And, uh, but if you've been following the papers at all, you would realize 
that in the last year or so, there's been about five of some of the biggest earthquakes that have been known for as long as man has been recording them. And, it's un- and they've been in diverse places. So there was one in Indonesia that triggered off a tsunami that thousands of lives were lost. There's been uh, one over in South America that was so large it caused a wobble or a slight movement in the Earth's axes that were enough to be measured anyway. How about that? Eight. That's a monster because they go up in power like that exponentially. Eh? There's, uh, there was uh, one in Haiti recently, and virtually the whole nation was level. But get this, uh, we were talking to one of the pastors there, and he said that God had spoken to them he was going to shake the nation, and he saw a vision of everything collapsing, but God raising up something fresh in the nation. All the witchcraft overthrown at the same time that all the, ter- the, the natural turmoil took place in the nation. And interesting huge and a massive quake. And uh, then there was one in China not so long ago, Sichuan, and a huge, huge earthquake. So when you look, you start to see it's all around the world these things are happening. And they're happening more frequently. So within the last year or so, probably about five of the biggest earthquakes we've been able to record have all taken place within the last two or three years. It's quite interesting. Jesus said that one of the signs of his coming would be many things happening. There'd be earthquakes in diverse places. There'd be famines, there'd be shakings, there'd be all kinds, there'd be wars and conflicts. And of course, we live in an age where there are wars going on all the time in all kinds of places. So uh, anyway, I was thinking about the, uh, the earthquake and looking at some of the pictures, wanted to have a look at it. And the Lord dropped three things into my mind about it. And I thought, whoa, that's fascinating. And uh, they were things that I could see as I was looking and watching the reports and so on. So what I thought I'd do is just, uh, first of all, share with you a few observations just about earthquakes and, uh, and the character of them. Then I want to share just a little bit from the Bible about the Bible, because the Bible talks about earthquakes. It's got a whole number of references to earthquakes. But then I want to show you three simple lessons you can get out of this last one uh, that's taken place in Christchurch. Quite fascinating. And it's been traumatic for people. You can't ever say it's a good thing. It actually is traumatic for people. And their whole life is shaken up. So here's a few things about earthquakes. Now, you have to understand this. The tendency, God created man to have dominion over the earth. When you see people shattered and their lives broken apart and their hearts broken and their hearts failing them with fear because the earth is groaning, you think it is a reminder for us actually of the fall of man. Man was made for dominion over the earth. The earth was not made for dominion over man. It's a consequence of the fall that the earth responds these ways. It's all part of the fall. So here's just a few simple things to think about earthquakes, and I'll show you the three lessons that God just dropped into my heart very quickly. Uh, The first is they're unexpected. They come without warning. And so people are unaware... And uh, when, you never know when one's coming. We've got no idea when one's coming. So they say one's coming, one's coming, one's coming. So everyone says, yeah, right, yeah, right. Then it comes. And it comes, you're totally unaware, just like the coming of the Lord. And so what happens, though, is because they come unaware, we live in an illusion. Our life is secure. So our illusion of security is completely shattered with a major earthquake. Security is one of the first things to be shattered. If you've built it in the things around you remaining. And there's a tendency for us to cling to something tangible, visible, when the Bible's very clear they will all pass away at some point. The things which eternal are what remains. Second thing is they're, they're un, uncontrollable. 
No one's got power to control one. You can't stop them happening. You can't control them when they are happening. You can't do anything about it. You actually, your illusion, you can control your world, is totally lost. So you become a realize in the, when, when a major earthquake comes, your security is shattered. Your power to control everything is shattered. You have no control over it at all. And not only that, it's impartial. So it doesn't have any preferences. It strikes some people and not other people's. Everyone gets shaken. There's no distinction between rich and poor. It doesn't matter whether you're in Flaxmere or Havelock or Napier or Taradale or wherever. It doesn't make any difference. We all get shaken. So an earthquake separates or shifts all of the barriers that people have built in terms of social privilege or standing. It all is shattered just in a moment. We're just all people trying to cope with something that's happened. It actually brings a reality to our lives. Uh, and finally, it's impacting because people assume the ground will be safe. They assume everything will be stable. And when it falls apart, there's huge impact, loss of property, loss of income, loss of uh, a future for many people, loss of their investments, all kinds of losses take place. So those are the things. And of course, there's a lot of good things can come out of it as well. But we're called to have dominion. So when you see a big earthquake like that and you hear all the stories, your heart goes out to the people in difficulty, but there's also lessons to be learned. Now, we can uh, find ways to give and to help people who are in need, and, and this is good to do that. But there are things that we need to look at in our own life. Otherwise, it's just another news story. And what made this one different was it was in Christchurch. It wasn't in China or South America or Argentina. But we live as a nation on the Pacific Rim, and if you have a look at the map of earthquakes in New Zealand, you find where they put a little dot where earthquakes happen every year, our whole nation from one end to the other has got earthquake dots all over it. And their prediction is, of course, that when you have one like this, it can trigger other ones. So there's always an uncertainty comes. Anyway, so in the Bible, there's a whole lot of mentions of earthquakes. And earthquakes, of course, are mentioned a number of times. It's just a natural event that happened the time of this earthquake. And the earth shook and the land split apart. But many times, earthquakes are associated with the power of God invading the earth. Isn't that interesting? That many times, earthquakes or shakings are are connected to God coming into the earth. Now, I'm not saying this one in Christchurch is whatsoever. But when God begins to invade the earth, many times in the Bible, things shook. So I'll just give you, I don't, we won't look them all. I will give you the quotes so you can find them. In Exodus 19, verse 18, when God came down on a mountain in fire, the Bible says the earth shook and people became afraid. And instead of going near God, drew back because they faced something that was uncontrollable. So rather than drawing near in that insecurity, they, they moved away and said, Moses, you go near to God. This God is too powerful for us. Uh, there's in Ezekiel 37, I think verse 7, uh, the Bible says that uh, Ezekiel released a prophetic word from God, and when he did that, there was an earthquake, and the bones all came together. There was a shaking of the ground, and the nation of Israel began to reform. Uh, in uh, Matthew uh, 27, 54, this is the most famous earthquake of all. This is the most famous earthquake in history. You may think the China one was, but it wasn't. The most famous one happened when Jesus died. Bible says when Jesus died, there was an exceeding great earthquake. And it was so strong, it broke open the graves and exposed the dead bodies that were in there. It was a great earthquake. It was a demonstration of spiritual power in the earth, and the earth shook in response to spiritual power. Think about that. Think about it. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the Bible says they were all in a house praying and the whole house shook as they prayed and the power of God filled the house. So when we, this God that we serve, when he starts to come into the earth in great power, things shake. People like to have a tame God, a nice God, tied up in a little Christian box on Sunday God, but that's not the God we serve. It's, that's, an, that's an idol and an image. It's not the true living God. The true living God is awesome in majesty and power. And when he comes into the earth, it shakes. There's another example there in, in Acts 16 and verse 26. And uh, Paul and Silas had been beaten up for casting a demon out of someone. Now notice this what they did. They cast a demon out of a woman, but it was, the, one of, it was representative of the prevailing spirit of witchcraft and divination in that area. They got beaten up for their trouble and thrown into, into jail. But in the middle of the night, they began to praise and sing, and there was a great earthquake. And it wasn't just an ordinary earthquake. It was a great earthquake and nothing fell down. But what happened was all the doors of the cells broke open and all the chains all broke off the prisoners. Everyone was freed. Now that is the power of God coming into the earth and causing the earth to respond. The earth was created by God and when he comes into it, it responds. But notice as God put us in here to shake the earth, not the earth to shake and terrify us. It just shows how far man has fallen and how God wants to restore our dominion back to us. And so Jesus revealed before his coming, there'll be lots of shakings, one of the signs of his coming. So here's the three lessons that um, I felt God showed me just watching uh, some of the pictures from the Christchurch earthquake. There were three things that stood out to me. There are lots of things, other things I could talk about. I just want to speak of three things that you can really draw a life lesson. And you would have seen all the pictures. Uh, I was not able because there was a way to get it all up on the screen today. But you've probably seen the pictures and you can look them out on the internet. But let me just share with you a few things. The first thing was that the earthquake revealed and exposed the foundations people were building upon. It revealed. Now, their foundations were not revealed until the earthquake came. In other words, it looked good. Some of the houses the people had built, I looked at one house, and the house was a, uh, probably over a million dollars, had been built only a year ago, looked a magnificent, desirable house. And when you looked at it now, actually it had a crack right through the whole house, and it would have to be demolished. And there were a whole number of places like that. And here was the problem. The ground they had built on was compacted sand. And now sand where it's compacted is fine except in an earthquake. And so when the earthquake came, sand, when you shake sand, and uh, geologists know this, they can show you a little test, they can actually got a machine that'll make it happen, and they put models on it and show you that no matter how you compact the sand, if there's water present anywhere near it, and you shake it in an earthquake, it liquefies, it turns to liquid. And when it turns to liquid, there's nothing to support the building and the building just begins to then tip over or lean over or it begins to settle into the ground. Now, you don't know that the sand is sand unless someone tells you before and you just choose not to build there or you find it out in the earthquake. For many people, they found it out in the earthquake. Interesting thing was that uh, there had been warnings given by geologists to the developers, don't develop there. However... Greed prevailed and people built there. And so there were whole subdivisions which probably 
they'll have to tear down all the houses and they'll not be able to be developed again or they'll have to think of some other way to develop them so they can overcome the tendency for them to sink or move over or, or, or break apart when there's a shaking. Think about that. And Jesus, of course, had a tremendous story about that in Matthew chapter 7. He said, the man who hears the word of God and responds and obeys the word of God is like, I'd likened him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And when the storm came and the floods came and the winds came, it stood. But he said, the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Now looked a good house. Everything about the houses looked the same except what they were built upon. And so he said, this man here, he said, this is the one who hears the word of God and does not do anything about it. Notice he heard the word of God. He has just no application to his life, no living out the word of God. In other words, a religious life. Think about that. A religious life, hearing God's word, but never shifting lifestyle and changing in how you run business and life. Just, well, it's great. I heard a nice message this Sunday. That was great. I watched a good thing on TV the other day. Hearing the word of God, but no significant mind change, thought change, value change, and life change. And that's what he said makes the difference between the wise man and the foolish man. They both receive revelation from God. God speaks to them both, but the difference is in the response to the word of God. And so God, Jesus particularly made this statement. He said that the person who responds to the words I speak and begins to build his life around the revelation I give him is someone who's building on rock. Jesus said, I'll build my, uh, thou, Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church. He was speaking of the revelation he had just given Peter. Revelation is crucial. Revelation is experiential. It's God speaking to us. Today, God will be speaking to you. The key thing, whether you're wise or foolish, is whether you can actually work from the message, what God is saying to me, how I need to apply it in my life. Get the idea? Fascinating, isn't it? So the key lesson here is that a life, build your life on a foundation of hearing God and trusting God. Trusting God means you do what he says. So that's a great foundation to build your life, that you listen to what God says and you trust him and act on it. Now, that doesn't mean it just refers to going to church on Sunday. That refers to building your marriage, building your family, building your finance, building your business. What are you building upon? Are you building upon the value system that the world says is good, or are you building differently? Now, recently, it's been a, 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 a virtually an earthquake in the financial markets. Now we've got an earthquake on the land, but they all show up the same thing. They show up faulty foundations. And many people who look good financially became ruined when actually the reality of their financial foundations were revealed. Interesting, isn't it, eh? So it's not just in one area of life God is doing this. I think worldwide God is shaking foundations governmentally, spiritually, uh, in the religious arena, in the financial area, in every area to begin to show up what is unstable and will not last, built on the tradition of man and beginning to show that something which is built on his word, his principles, his life, that will last. It works. It works. I was talking to one man just recently, and uh, his son, oh, Ian Grant, and uh, had a chance to talk with him over the weekend too. Oh, he's got a great new program to help dads lead their families in, uh, in building a devotional life and spiritual life. I said, please pioneer it here. 
So we're, we're looking for him to do that. Anyway, he said that his son is, uh, got up into Russia, I think it was, and uh, he's been um, one of a whole group of people there uh, who have been working to raise next generation leaders who are needing to get principles to live on. And they're sharing with them character principles from the Word of God, how you build a culture that's stable, built on the Word of God. We have to be confident. The Word of God works. It doesn't matter whether people agree with it or not, it works. And when the shaking comes, then you see it works. It's just people look like they get away with stuff, but no one gets away with anything. You've got to realize that. At the end, it's just only the timing of when you get caught out and timing of when you have to pay the price. But somewhere, you pay the price. Do the crime, uh, do, you pay the time. You know, There's always a way it goes. And so it's either now or in eternity, but usually there's a reaping in life of how we live our lives. So that was the first lesson I thought. What kind of foundation? The foundations you build your life on. So build on revelation and trust, listening and doing it God's way. You know, it doesn't seem reasonable to forgive people. When God says forgive, it really does work, you know? <laughs> when God says to be positive and speak and think positive things, it works, you know, it just really works. Okay, here's the second one. And the second one is the earthquake revealed substandard construction. The earthquake revealed. Now, if you have a look at uh, Christchurch, Christchurch has got some beautiful buildings. And you go down, there's just beautiful English city. I've always thought, man, that's, I wonder what that'd do in a bit of a shake, you know, all those brick buildings there. Well, now I know. I can see it on the internet now. I look up the pictures and all these beautiful buildings have fallen down. They have to demolish them. And uh, so, but here's the problem. The problem was this, is the construction standards that may have been suitable 100 years ago are no longer relevant or, up, or, or, or suitable for today. Now, so that meant that if you put a building up 100 years ago, it would have still come down on that kind of shake. It's just they didn't have that kind of shake then, but they're having them now. And the construction standards have so risen to handle this situation that only buildings which had been upgraded survived. So there were some cathedrals there, they'd spent millions upgrading them, and they survived. There are other buildings where they just hoped it would survive, but get this, they were not built to the level and standard required for the 21st century, and particularly not with what is happening in terms of the earthquake. So they crashed. Now, what can you learn from that? Well, Jesus said, take heed how you build. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 to 18. Take, 15, take heed how you build. Don't build with wood, hay, stubble. Build with silver, gold, and precious stones. So he's saying, every one of us is building something. You're building your life, your character. You're building your finances. You're building your marriage. You're building a family. Every one of us is a builder of something. We're all building. But the paradigms of building have shifted. God is continually restoring the church. So he's continually upgrading the church so it is current, contemporary, and up with what's going on and the needs. Now, if a church is not willing to shift, change, and upgrade to what God is saying in this hour, what happens is it's like the old buildings in Christchurch. When there's a bit of a shake, they fall down. They look good, but they don't function well. So... Today, God is speaking many things to the church. Old paradigms of church are not suitable for the 21st century. Old ways of thinking about church aren't suitable for the 21st century. So 
we need to upgrade to apostolic thinking. God is shifting the church now to become totally missions focused for ordinary people to be empowered, to begin to start to invade the community, business community, education, every kind of area of society. Why is God wanting Because this is the hour we're in. If you want to be upgraded, you're upgraded by responding to what God is saying today and fulfilling that. If we hold on to tradition, then what happens is we become substandard for what God is needing for the next hour. So we face in New Zealand what's called a population bulge or generation bulge, actually, of the baby boomers. And the baby boomers have been the center of attention for 40 years or 50 years or something. Now, here they all get up to the 60s and they're all going to get into getting old and they'll put a huge demand right through the whole nation. But the baby boomers cannot retain their grip over what is happening in a nation because there's another generation coming up that must actually find their place and find their positioning. Now, it's the same with the church. Baby boomers in that generation cannot direct how the church functions. They must be committed to the next generation coming up and beginning to think, how can they be part of bringing the next generation up into ministry and into fulfillment? Very simply, they act as fathers and mothers and impart wisdom and experience and resource them and help them to step up to the challenges of the 21st century. Otherwise, the church becomes like some of the old Christchurch buildings. Look good, but under the shaking, falls down. Hasn't got what it takes for the current operating conditions. That makes sense? It's quite sobering, isn't it? I've been thinking about these things for quite a while. I think it's probably why the Holy Ghost was speaking to me as I started to look at these pictures. So here's the key lesson. Build your life on what God is revealing to the church now. Not what he said 20, 50 years ago. What is he saying now? Prophetically, what God is saying now. It's about the supernatural. It's about the kingdom. It's about mission. It's about ordinary people being resourced. It's about reaching the next generation. It's about the power of God flowing and miracles. There's a whole range of things. We have to shift as a church for these, in the coming decade. We'll have to shift and move towards the next generation emerging. Has to. And it's not always easy in a rural community to do that because when the predominant number of people in the bay is in the 50-plus age group, the tendency is for them all want to pull everything to meet their needs rather than look at a legacy for the next generation. Just some thoughts, isn't it, eh? Here's the last one. <laughs> this one here is the last one. that, I, And I saw lots of things, but, the, but these were the three that stood out to me. Here's the third one. The earthquake revealed fractures and fault lines that were not previously visible. How about that? In other words, people didn't have a clue that there was a fault line there. It looked good. Some of these farmers were, were, brought the TV cameras out, and you've got these holes you could just about bury a man in. They're that deep. Cracks, hole, you can see like a line just ran right across the countryside, right through the city, uh, no discrimination, under fences, under garages, under all kinds of things. It just ran. And as it ran, the garages tilted, buildings tilted, they broke apart, everything just ran right through there. And, and, and the people were saying, lots, so many people were saying, we had no idea there was a fault line there. It was not there, it was not apparent. One, the geologists weren't aware of it for all their wisdom, they didn't know it was there. Doesn't give you a lot of confidence, does it? Especially when people build buildings where they know there are fault lines. 
Okay, so there it is. So there's the fault lines coming. Now, I began to just think about that a little bit. And here's here's the key things about it. The fractures and faults were always in the ground. They were just covered over. And while they were dormant, you couldn't see they were there. It gave the illusion of safety and security. When the shaking came, the hidden fractures were exposed. They were always there. It was just the earthquake got them out in the open. And now you see the roads just broken up. You see fissures in the ground. And then you see buildings, all kinds of things destroyed. And so the, the hidden fractures, here's, get this, the hidden fractures caused the whole buildings to break up into two pieces. Just snapped in two. One guy was, I can't believe it. It just snapped in two. And one lady, she stepped out, and she, you know, it was dark, and the lights were off, powered fast. She stepped out of the house, and she went right up to a chest, because a crack had opened up straight outside the house, and now the sand had all turned into uh, uh, like a mushy mush, and she just fell straight down into mushy mush, which once the shaking stopped would go solid, and she'd be buried in the ground. That's a terrifying kind of prospect, isn't it? So... Here's the thing. People can have fractures in the soul. See, whenever we have traumatic experiences, wherever we have grief, wherever we have trauma in our life, our soul becomes fractured. It isn't visible to people outside. If you fracture your arm, usually people know you've got a front fracture because they see it's something wrong, it's in pain, they put it in a splint. But when you've got a fracture in your soul, there's usually a lot of damage has been done and we react to being hurt by building a defense system. And that defense system covers over the fracture. We try to get on with life and relationships instead of actually resolving the issues of the fractures. One of the things Lynn will be doing, we'll be running a restoration retreat, and that is to deal with fractures in the soul. A lot of Christians, here's the interesting thing that puzzles me, we, we have uh, restoration retreats and freedom retreats, have marriage retreats, and they're oblivious to the fractures in their soul and marriage and fun, and they don't actually go to get the help they need. We've got to learn to position ourselves, if we've got issues and needs, to position ourselves to get restored and get healed. So areas of unforgiveness, areas of bitterness, areas of grief, these kind of things cause us to not walk in the fullness of what God has. We're still locked in the fractures of the soul with lots of things buried under it and it all covered over. And that's not the way God wants us to live our life. How can you get out of that? Well, one of the ways, you get in a small group and you connect with people and build relationships where people give feedback how you're living your life. When you do that, then the fractures you didn't see start to become visible. The other thing is you wait till a major crisis of shaking and then they really become visible because you nut off. That's not such a good way of waiting. I don't think I want to wait for a shame. But sometimes God will bring a season in the church where fractures in people's souls get exposed. We've just been through a season like that. I would hope that you let God bring healing and restoration where you had your fractures. If you haven't, make a decision. You're going to say, I'm responsible for the fractures of my soul. I don't want to wait till there's a shaking in my marriage or relationships for these to be revealed. I want to actually respond, let the Holy Ghost show them and speak to me so I can get to deal with them. Fascinating, isn't it, eh? So here it is. Here's the key lesson. Open your life to the Holy Spirit to reveal the fractures in your soul and relationships and restore them. He restores my soul because it needs restoring. The last uh, six months, I've seen fractures in my own soul that God has wanted to heal. Fractures in our marriage, God has wanted to heal. Fractures inside us that needed to be restored. So we've opened our lives to be restored. 
It's a journey and a process, but better than allowing yourself under huge pressure to crack up and fall apart. Here's the interesting thing. When there's a shaking takes place like an earthquake or some natural event happens and there's a big turmoil, what often happens then, the fractures in the souls of people are seen. That's when they come up. It's quite extraordinary how repetitive that process can be. And yet God says, I'll shake everything so that the things that can't be shaken remain. So now we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We open our lives to God. We open ourselves to the Spirit of God. We let Him work in our life to convince us, convict us, and show us how to build our life. We begin to respond to God's words, and we begin to build a solid life that lasts the distance. Have you built a strong life? Young people, are you learning the Word of God? I tell you what, if you're not learning the Word of God, you're on stable ground. And the first shaking that comes, your wheels will come off your chariot. It'll sink into the mud and the waters will close. You don't want that to happen at all. I tell you what, start to make it a practice of getting into the Word of God, into the presence of God, opening your life to God to teach you and show you things. Build your life solidly. Build it around God's Word. Build it in trust. Build it on what He says to you and your life will be strong and solid. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't we close our eyes right now. Father, we thank You right now. Lord, we pray for the people of Christchurch. We pray for those who've lost homes, livelihoods, whose future is so uncertain. We pray for those who are struggling. Lord, who don't know what to do next, who have no resources and no one to help them. We pray, Lord, at this time, the church in Christchurch will arise and move into that place, bringing the gospel of hope, the gospel of salvation, practical kindness, the love of God. We pray those things will take place. But Father, we ask, Lord, that where there's fractures in our lives, hidden fault lives or substandard construction, You would, Lord, speak to us that we can learn the lessons of life. Just while our eyes are closed, let me ask you a question. What did God speak to you about today? Was it building on poor foundations? Was it being substandard, not being willing to change and move with the things God is speaking to His church? What is it that God was talking to you about today? Was it fractures in your soul that you've never been willing to address because of fear or pride or independence? Whatever it is, doesn't really matter, but there they are. Stopping you living God's best. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? You know, in the Old Testament, two million people died for us to learn a lesson. Most of us don't even read about it, let alone learn the lessons. Now we have a city and our own nation, and it's been shaken, but there's lessons to learn. Have you learned anything? You know, in Napier, there's quite large areas that are built on sand. Good shaking, they'll have the same effect it had down in Christchurch. But what about our lives? What are we building on? Father, we pray you'd help us.